Welcome back to the Argentina Project podcast at the Wilson Center. My name is Benjamin Gadan. I am delighted to welcome back to the podcast, Nicolas Saldias. He'll be our guest host today. He is my former Wilson Center colleague, now a Latin America analyst at the Economist Intelligence Unit. He sits down with Esteban Paulon, the executive director of Argentina's Instituto de Políticas Públicas, LGBTQ+, to discuss a new transgender labor law in Argentina and the impacts throughout Latin America's LGBTQ community of COVID-19. Nicolás, welcome. Esteban, thank you for joining us. Hi, Esteban. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview. So I have a number of questions regarding uh, LGBTQ plus politics in the region, and I'd like to start off talking about what's happening in Argentina. So Argentina has been at the forefront of LGBTQ plus legislation in the region and in the world, actually. I was hoping you could walk us through the legislative victories the LGBT community has made in Argentina in recent years and how significant the recent, the recent passage of a bill that ensures that 1% of all public sector jobs are given to transgender individuals is. Thank you, Nicolás. Well, as you know, since 2010, Argentina has passed several laws in favor of LGBTQ community starting in 2010 with equal marriage law. Then in 2012, Argentinian Congress passed gender identity law, the first all over the world that recognized gender identity for trans people without uh, surgeries or medical uh, certificates. So it was a, a big step in transgender uh, rights all over the world from Argentina. And then another countries in the region advance in this side. But in the last years, well, as, as we say, always said, the activists said, you, you can have the legal equality in the laws, in the papers, in equal marriage, gender identity. These laws tell that we are equal than other people in Argentina, in every country. But then you have to build the social equality equality of opportunities to, to enjoy your rights freely and without discrimination. So the gap between the equal, the, the legal equality and the social equality, you have to move from one point to another point through the public policies, positive actions from the state to improve the, the real equality for our community. So Argentina lead a process about legislation in the region and internationally, but also we have uh, innovative measures to work on this, uh, this roadmap to the equality. One of the, these measures is the trans quota. We said cupo laboral trans work, work quota for transgender people in the state. Since 2015, we have some provincial, state and local laws that um, permitted that more than 100 transgender people take a, a job in the state, in a municipality or in a, a provincial state. And now the national government, the national administration, approved a similar measure to incorporate at least 1% of their total staff with transgender people. It's a big step in uh, related to equality for trans people, because here in Argentina, as in the in other region, more than 90% of transgender people don't have a registered work. At least 94, 95 of 
women or trans women work as a sexual workers in, in all our countries as, a, as the only possibility to have a, a, a job. So the state start with a, with a measure that we hope the private sector also take. The state in Argentina cannot, cannot obligate the, the private sector to, to take at least 1% of transgender people, but we are really looking uh, some movements in the corporative areas. Uh, some companies wanted to imitate as a mirror to the state and uh, get, get higher uh, transgender people in their staff too. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm wondering if we can dig just a little bit deeper about Argentina for a second. As you stated, Argentina was a, you know, a front runner when it comes to this legislation and has made great strides. And so I'm wondering if you could quickly tell us why do you think Argentina has been so um, at the forefront of these legislative victories? And if you could tell us also, what do you think the next legislative priority will be for the LGBTQ plus community in the country? Well, Argentina has a particular history about human rights. You know, we had a military government since 76 to 83 in the last century. It was a really violent government. We didn't have human rights and freedoms. It was really uh, a dictatorship government. And when the democracy came back in 83, the idea of human rights was really strong and is still really strong in Argentina. So uh, the LGBTIQ movement works since the beginning, since 83, 84, to put the LGBTIQ rights in the human rights agenda. Uh, something like the former State Secretary Hillary Clinton said in the UN, LGBT rights are human rights. Well, we've been working in this sense since 83, 84, and in, in the last year, especially, uh, since we founded the National Federation for LGBTIQ Organizations, we started to work really close of the human rights movement and with all political parties. Different than other countries, Argentina has a, a big number of political parties. We don't have Republicans and Democrats or Socialist Labour Party or uh, right-wing party. We have in the Congress 30, 35 groups, political groups, different groups. Some are left-wing parties, some are center, some are right-wing party. And from the Federation, the LGBT Federation, we work to put the LGBTIQ agenda in all the parties. The equal marriage law was passed with votes from 20 political parties, different political parties. So it was a, a big work to put together different ideas about the country, but with, this, with the same idea about LGBTIQ people. As, as an example, I always said a, a lot of countries started with a more conservative measures like non-discrimination bill or something like um, partnership law without adoption, but the equal marriage is the last station in the road. Argentina never had discussed something about LGBTIQ people in the Congress till we approved the equal marriage law. It was the first, the first and the top, the full, full law. So I think we have worked really good with, with another, with all the political parties, with another social movement, with the feminist movement, with the media, with the university, with the academy, with the science, 
uh, with religions, some people from uh, Catholic Church, Jewish Church, uh, Evangelic Church support our law. So I think we had the intelligence to build a, a big a group of support to our laws. And also we, we have the vision about the, the political moment. In, in this moment, in 2010, the political moment was really, was perfect for our laws. So I think that was a, one of the key of success was the, the Fed, National Federation, an organization working together with all the organizations all over the country, and then the dialogues with different sectors. And now we are working for a, an agenda, a pendant agenda. We have a lot of laws and bills to pass in the Congress and, of course, the public policies, but especially the, the main topic now in, the, in our movement is the uh, transgender integral law, not only for the work, not only for a quota in the work. We want to work, we, we think it's necessary work First of all, with the trans childhood to prevent discrimination, to prevent family exclusion, we have to develop our capacity to prevent the discrimination since the beginning in the families, in the schools. And then, of course, work, education, uh, housing programs, and also for elder trans people, you know, in Latin America, life expectancy of transgender people it's about 40 years. And as we said, the trans people come to the, the, their elder age uh, soon as we, cisgender people, and you have as the state promote some measures like preparation or pensions for elder transgender people that cannot start their process to work in a quota with a, a curriculum or with training, uh, you have to guarantee uh, an income for these people and healthcare access too. So we are working on this side, on, on this project, trans integral transgender law, as Uruguay passed so, uh, two or three years ago. And then in some countries in Europe, they are promoting similar uh, bills. Yeah. And so I want to maybe go to a more regional perspective. Um, you know, there's been some interesting developments very recently in the past month. Even. So, you know, the socially conservative Chilean president, Sebastian Piñera, for example, said that he would seek to legalize gay marriage in a surprising turn. But on the other hand, Peru just elected Pedro Castillo, a leftist who opposes many LGBTQ plus issues. Uh, what do you think explains these recent developments in the region? And what does it tell us about the state of LGBTQ plus politics in the region? Well, first of all, I want to be optimistic because I think we are moving forward, maybe not with the speed that we wanted, but we are moving forward clear, clearly. We are having now a measure of Inter-American Court of Justice that mandate all the countries to approve equal marriage and to resolve some kind of recognition for transgender people. That's really important. Some countries like Costa Rica and Ecuador was passed their laws of equal marriage by this decision of the court. And I think we are in, in a moment with some countries like Bolivia discussing equal marriage, Chile discussing equal marriage, and other countries like Brazil, Paraguay, Peru, as you said, are 
more difficult to advance because their governments work really close with evangelic groups that and and some conditions to govern to give a government with the evangelics depends on your missions about the LGBTQ people or feminist people. But I think, well, Latin America is the more unequal region all over the, the globe. And I think in LGBTIQ topic, we are also really, uh, we have a, a strong or deep difference between the countries. But I'm optimistic because, as, as you said, uh, Chile is moving forward with their constitutional debate about a new constitution with a lot of LGBTIQ people elected. Even in Peru, with Pedro Castillo, that, as, as you said, he don't support the LGBTIQ rights, but we have had elected a MP in the parliament, a lesbian, open lesbian MP in the parliament. And Brazil, with Bolsonaro, the movements still can support all the advances that we have had in the last years with uh, Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva and Dilma Rousseff, Fernando Enrique Cardoso, a lot of... Uh, advances that they are sustain those advances and i think in the region we we need to build a common narrative a common speech about equality in the first years of our debating equal marriage we talk about equality love families life happiness and then evangelic groups or the groups that are against our rights started to talk about the life, the defense of the life, the family. So we have to recover these words, these keywords, and build a common speech to win a social majority all over the, the region. But we are on it. It's not easy. We don't have uh, resources, main time, but uh, we are working. And um, another question I think that's really important given the context is COVID-19 and how COVID-19 has exposed the dire consequences of inequalities in the region, including on individuals who identify as LGBTQ+. Um, given that, as you've stated, you know, there's a lot of discrimination in the labor market as well as, as access to public services, I'm wondering if you could give a little bit of a description of how the pandemic has affected LGBT people in the, in the region and Argentina as well. Well, the COVID-19 affected especially the sectors that are in the border of ours, of the inclusion, if you permit me the, the expression. So some, some social sectors, especially LGBTIQ people, but especially within the LGBTIQ people or, or community, transgender people and sexual workers, they are in, in the border of the economy. They don't have registration about their works. They don't have stable income every month. Mainly, they don't have their own houses. They have the problems to get food. So with the restriction measures, the mainly all these realities in their lives getting worse. So um, here in Argentina, the government had uh, some kind of measures, especially for transgender people, but not enough by the, the impact that COVID-19 has in our community. In other countries of the region, you have the political measures in Panama, in Colombia, in Peru, in Lima, that allow the policy to, to prosecute transgender people in the street because some days you are a man, you can, you can go out, or if you are a woman and transgender people 
in, in these countries without equal gender identity law, law uh, the, the people are in the middle in one sense. But uh, here we have some measures, some economic measures. And also I think another important topic is for uh, young people with the restriction to circulation, to get out, to, get, to go to the schools. A lot of, our, of people from our community in the, in the first years were convicted with their uh, uh, aggressor. I cannot remember the, the term. Uh, well, with their parents with, in situations of discrimination and violence and harassment. So we have had to put some attention on these two because was really, uh, we in Argentina, we have uh, six, seven, eight months in, in our houses. So this is another topic important for me. Yes, um, and one last question I have for you is, what do you think is the next stage for LGBTQ plus rights and politics in the region over the next two, five years? Well, I think we have to, to work to become more visible in the public agenda, more visible in the parliaments, more visible in politics, more visible in the society, in the media. I think we are in a, in a good way. We are moving forward, as I said uh, a couple of minutes ago, and we have to, to work to strong our strategies for visibility and to be in part of the public discussion. I think in some countries of the region, LGBTIQ people, we are not uh, part of the discussions, the public discussion about the law, about the, I, the country ideas, about the politics, about the education, about the healthcare, the social protection system. We, we need to be there to, to visibilize our, our community, uh, but also to, to build a, a strong agenda because the, the, the groups that are against our rights, they are moving in this side. They, they are in the discussions of public policies, in healthcare policies, in the media policies. They are discussing with us about language. They are discussing about, with us about education. But, but we, we need to be more active in these uh, issues because we, we need to sustain all that we have reached. Also being strongest to get all the challenges that we have in the future. All right. Thank you so much, Esteban, for such an interesting conversation. You're welcome. The Argentina Project podcast is produced by Oscar Cruz and edited by Sam Vicroy. For more on the subject, please visit www.wilsoncenter.org LAP. And for sponsorship opportunities, you can contact us at LAP at wilsoncenter.org. Please join us next time for another episode of the Argentina Project podcast.